What up everyone? Here I am driving from San Francisco to Yosemite National Park. Whoa man, I'm about to be a full-fledged nature girl. Just checking in because it's been a while. I said I was going to record more frequently and guess what? I didn't. But I was really having a great time in San Fran. I was actually staying with a friend. Her name's Sandy. I believe she's like 65 or older. I met her in El Salvador on a Habitat for Humanity Global Village Trip, which I talk about sometimes. You basically go and build for a week in a different country. And then years later, I was leading a trip to Chile, and she came on my trip and brought her son, Steven. So I was staying with her in San Fran, and her son, Steven's actually staying at my house in D.C. watching my cat, so we switched places. And it's just crazy how the world brings these people into your life. And uh, Steven, or Sandy lives alone, so I think that she really enjoyed my company as well. I mean, who wouldn't? Just kidding. But we had a great time. We went to a winery, so I actually experienced, like, Sonoma wine country. I learned a lot about wine, grapes, and soil. It turns out I was at the oldest winery in all of California, they said. And a lot of the architecture at this winery actually survived multiple fires. So it was truly remarkable. I felt like it was a good experience. Um, I also explored Myrrh Woods, which I don't know if it's part of the Redwood Forest, but I did finally see Redwood trees, which are the Earth's tallest trees. And as I was hiking through Myrrh Woods, it was a little bit scary because I suddenly started thinking... Is what if I see a bear? Like, what do I do if I encounter a bear? I don't know if I can scream loud enough. I don't really know what to do at all. I don't know if I play dead or scream. Um, so for about two miles of this hike, I was walking really fast, as fast as my stubby little legs could carry me up and down all these like rocks, uphill, downhill, swerving around because I was like almost certain that I was going to see a bear. Um, But then I found some people along the trail and they let me know that it was very unlikely that I would see a bear. And if I did, they didn't actually tell me what to do if I did. But I didn't see one. Um, And just hearing those people tell me that I would likely not see a bear gave me so much reassurance. And they might not be experts. I'm pretty sure one of the people weren't even from this country and they were also just visiting. But I don't know. It's interesting how someone can tell you something and you automatically just feel relieved. Is that what our politicians are doing? Just kidding. I'm not going to go there yet. So it was an amazing hike. I also realized on the hike that, like, as I was walking, uh, I was thinking about what am I going to do next? Like, what am I going to eat for dinner? How am I going to get back to D.C.? I was just basically not being present. And I realized this uh, probably, like, four miles in that I should probably try to be present while I'm here and not already thinking about the future and planning for what's to come, which is actually a trait of a seven on the Enneagram. If you don't know what it is, Google it. Enneagram is basically numbers one through nine, and they explain kind of how you deal with the world and how you process pain and just like what motivates you. So sevens are like constantly thinking about what's next. They just want to make sure that they have as much fun as possible. And always stay busy so they never have to feel or experience actual pain. So I realized I was doing that and um, I was like, how can I be more present? And I think that this is going to kind of tie into me trying to provide a mindfulness episode, which I'm not going to do because I just don't really feel like it. 
Um, so I started thinking, maybe I'll count to ten. So, I, like, every ten steps, I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Again and again and again, every single ten steps. And that did allow me to, like, look at nature more and really concentrate on my steps or at least not think about the future. But, I don't know, it was still a little bit distracting. And then I was kind of concerned that I was going to develop, like, an OCD and never be able to stop counting my ten steps. So, I thought, you know this isn't the best method of mindfulness. Let me try something else. And I, I then thought about gratitude and like thinking about how old these trees were and how long they've been here. And I decided maybe I'll try to like touch a tree and say thank you to it for being around for so long. It's applying so much life and like not changing all throughout time. They're not trying to look cool. They're not trying to become an Instagram influencer, even though they're probably featured in millions of Instagram photos. So I just kept touching each tree that I could. And I think, I don't think this was damaging to the tree or anything. But I would touch it. I would, in my mind, say something nice and really, really authentic. A a true, true, genuine thank you to the tree. And then I would, like, pick a different thing to say thank you about to, like, each tree that I saw. This, I know this sounds a little crazy, but it really worked. And it made me feel really happy and I don't know. I started eventually hugging the trees. So I'm sure that if there were anyone, if there was anyone around, they might have thought it was a little bit strange. But it was so nice. And I think I'm going to do that when I go to Yosemite too and just try to do that more in life. Everyone talks about gratitude practices as a way to become happier. And for me, look, I always write down something every day when I woke up, wake up, that I'm thankful for past, present, and future. Because this is supposed to help you remember something that got you to where you are that you're grateful for. And it might have been a bad experience, but it helped you grow. Something that you're thankful for right in this present moment. And then something that you're thankful for that you think will come in the future or that you hope to manifest in the future. So I already do that, but sometimes it just feels like an obligation rather than like a practice of like mindfulness and happiness. So I think walking by and and saying something and touching like a plant or touching a tree or touching not someone because they're not allowed to touch each other but thinking of something in the moment that you're grateful for for from this item or person is a really great practice and I'm gonna do it whenever I possibly can if y'all want to do it go ahead if you guys want to do it like on iTunes or however you're listening to this podcast in the form of a review please do it. I don't understand why y'all aren't writing reviews. I'm not trying to beg you for them, but I know you're listening to the podcast. I can see the numbers, but yet my reviews have not increased. Sometimes I think that maybe iTunes is broken because I haven't received a review in a long time. If you go to iTunes or go to any of the podcast platforms and look at the reviews, you'll see how long. I don't want to put it out there and say it out loud. Just please write me a review. If you write one and screenshot it and send it to me on Instagram, do good, feel good show, I will send you $1 on Venmo. This is a promise. Also, if you want to come on the show, feel free to email me, dogoodfeelgoodshow at gmail.com. I'm going to try to get more active on social media whenever I actually get back to D.C. But for now, I'm still trying to absorb this trip. So... Real quick before I hop into more about the California life, because I'm a Cali baby now, I'm going to take a quick break 
to say what's up and thank you to our sponsor, Anchor FM, and also remind you the importance of voting. Not sure if you watched the vice presidential debate, but the stakes are high. Okay? I'm going to leave this little ad right here. Okay, I'm back. What's up, everyone? I hope you enjoyed those ads. So one thing that I thought was interesting staying with Sandy is that she kept telling me how proud she was of me that I was I figured out how to do this trip which is something that I hear from a lot of older people they think it's a really fascinating that like a young woman is doing this on her own and also that I don't it just that I'm like finding a way to do this while still working full-time and it hasn't been easy but it's it's weird for me to like hear I'm proud of you for me taking a vacation you know because I can understand someone being like I'm proud of you you're like leading a trip to a different country to like build homes for people but I actually feel kind of selfish on this trip so even though I'm trying not to um it's just it is interesting I am proud that I've been able to like schedule work around all of this and I would really encourage everyone to take a look at your schedule and if possible if you can get outside more even for just like an afternoon and you can do it safely with a mask to just work it in because it really does just provide like a sense of like comfort and just a release from the stresses of the workday. So I guess I am kind of proud that I, I took the time to do this trip and I've I left in late August. I've only taken off three and a half days of work. So I I took off today because I'm driving to Yosemite and I want to actually go on a hike. And then on Monday, I'll have, I'll took that off because I need to drive to my next location in Oregon. But other than that, I've just been working full time, like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the West Coast. And then that gives me enough time to either drive to my next location, like six hours away and avoid driving at night or go on a hike. And usually I'm a workout in the morning kind of gal, but working out in the afternoon is kind of good too because you have you still have a lot of time like if you get off work at two and then you can hike for like three or four hours you can still eat a nice dinner and get in bed at a decent hour so I don't know I guess it is kind of cool that I figured out how to do this but enough about me let's talk about San Francisco I uh, went to check out the San Francisco iconic Golden Gate Bridge I walked, I drove um, to the Holocaust Memorial Park, I guess that might be what it's called, and I walked a few miles to try to get to the bridge, and there was this mist like I have never seen in my life. It was so dense and thick, I could not see anything more than like five feet ahead of me, and if I were to stand underneath some trees, it's like it was raining. It was such a weird climate. And so I, I made my way over over this trail a few miles to the Golden Gate Bridge and could see no part of it. Not even a smidge of some orange. I couldn't see where the cars were entering. It was a beautiful sight that I imagined. I imagined what it looked like and it was just as I had expected and more. So that was fun. I mean, it was kind of funny because I knew as I headed there it was unlikely that the mist was going to clear, and it didn't. So, I guess I'm learning about that California nature and weather patterns. So, now I'm heading to Yosemite. I picked out a few trails that I'm going to do, and I'm going to try to 
to be very present. I'll give you some feedback on how they all go. So for some of you who've been listening and are my actual friends who I talked to about this trip, I didn't really have a plan as to where to go next after Bend, Oregon, which is where I'm headed after Yosemite. And I figured I'd either make my way across the northern part of the country and ultimately make my way to, to New England to visit a few friends safely in like Vermont and Delaware. Maybe run into Bernie Sanders casually. We could share some melt-in-your-mouth maple syrup candies that I've heard are really good in Vermont. But things have changed a little bit. And I got an email saying that I have been approved or won the lottery on this inclusionary zoning unit. So since this podcast hasn't really done much in the way of do good, I want to quickly talk about the inclusionary zoning program, which is, it exists in a lot of different cities. And a lot of housing affordability or home affordability organizations advocate for inclusionary zoning um, in their city because what it does is it provides permanently affordable homes for the citizens of that area. Basically, when a developer comes in and wants to build a new building, they can reserve a number of units that are deemed as affordable, and then they get a tax write-off from, like, the city. So it's pretty cool. Um, everyone in my building pays, like, 2055 for their unit, which is, like, 500 square feet, and I pay about $700 less than that because I'm part of the program and all you need to do to qualify for this is basically not make a lot of money (laughs) so you fall into an income bracket that qualifies you for the program and then you go to an orientation class you have to submit like six months of your big statements just to show that you have good credit and that you are trying to be financially literate and like make good choices financially but if you can prove that and you fall into this income bracket, you will likely get approved. But there are so many people in the program in each city, and I assume in D.C., I think there are thousands of people on the IZ list. So if you win the lottery for a unit, it's really exciting because you get the opportunity to live in a nice place. And even if you end up earning out of the program, or if you end up getting married and then your income increases, or if you move to a different city, that unit will always remain affordable. So if I move out, there will be, or if I stay there and I end up making more money, there will be another unit that will become available for a family or an individual so that they can live affordably. The whole point is that you're not supposed to spend more than a third of your income on housing. I still spend more than half, so the program is definitely not perfect. And I think that even though it's it was created to like kind of level the playing field for housing, it still benefits people who a can find out about the program, have, probably have access to the internet and uh, the ability to get to an orientation, and who still aren't living in like extreme poverty. So it's not a perfect system, but it definitely helps. So this unit became available in a building close to mine, and. I really want to move there because there's a balcony. There's actually a bedroom door that slides. So I would have a real bedroom, not just a studio apartment where my desk is also in my bedroom. My office will not be my bedroom anymore. And there's an island in the kitchen. So it just seems like 
a great way to transition back into the working remote in a tiny space life. And I think I'm going to go for it. The only issue is that I have to be back in D.C. by the end of October to sign some necessary paperwork. Um, So that means I'm going to have to really figure out how the heck I'm getting home. I'm going to either have to drive six hours a day after 2 p.m. every day after work because I'm afraid to drive at night. Or I'm going to have to try to get the guy in Bend, who is actually my ex-boyfriend, drama. You guys are going to be really interested in the podcast when we I tell you all about stuff that didn't actually happen, meaning nothing's going to happen. We're just friends now. And if you're listening to this, hello, anonymous person. I'll find out if you actually want to be on the podcast when I get there. So I might have to stay with him for an extra week, which he has not said yes to. I did casually bring it up and he ignored, kind of ignored that option. So we'll see if he lets me stay. Bottom line is, got to figure out how to get home. This episode might not have been the most exciting of all time, but I need to get some more downloads because as you know, downloads equals pennies, pennies equals savings, savings equals more trips, more trips equal more pod. It goes around and around and around. When I get back to DC, I'm going to start recording some more traditional episodes where we will interview people who are doing good for the world while doing something that feels good. I'm also going to be selling the majority of my things because even though this apartment is luxury and has a real bedroom and a balcony, it's a little smaller. So I need to get rid of a lot of stuff. Maybe I'll post some items on the Do Good Feel Good show Instagram page and y'all can buy the items, some memorabilia from your favorite podcast host who just rambles and provides you with not a lot of knowledge. Thanks so much for sticking around through this drive. See you after Yosemite, California forever, Cali life, long live California, and the Golden State. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Ciao. I'm just kidding. I'm still here. You can't get rid of me that easy. I actually just remembered a few more things I wanted to touch on. So, as I was saying about the Murr Woods and how I realized I was constantly planning for the future, which I always do, is even though it looks like I'm always having fun, and I, for a lot of the time I try to ensure that I'm having the best time possible in whatever I'm doing, I'm also limiting myself and constantly creating these... Um, restrictions on myself for some reason like I I love doing 30-day challenges I love doing things that like provide me with like some type of disciplined I don't know obligation which is weird and I realized this morning when I was like looking through a yoga class to do because I genuinely want to try to do yoga in the morning before I get my day started because my body's really stiff when I wake up that I felt like I should have continued my week-long yoga challenge and stuck with the the playlist, what the playlist provided, but then I realized, why? Like, if I don't really like this yoga playlist, why can't I just go find a different class that I actually enjoy? Why am I restraining myself from life's true glory and fulfillment? And I think a lot of us do that. Like, when we, a lot of people do intermittent fasting because that helps them lose weight. That's like one reason to do it. And so I've also tried doing that, waiting until 10 a.m. to eat. And I know what you're thinking, 10 a.m., that's not really what one would consider fasting. But I usually, in my previous life, before I tried intermittent fasting, would start eating immediately the second that I woke up, 
got out of bed, brushed my teeth, took a little titi, meaning tinkle, I went pee, and then I immediately put a piece of toast in the toaster and ate a piece of delicious Ezekiel bread toast with some earth balance and some honey. Then I would go on a run, then I would eat a second breakfast because I just needed to constantly be eating. And so waiting until 10 to eat was actually really challenging for me. And it did create like a calorie deficit, I think, even if by like 150 calories. But why are we living our lives like that? Why am I trying to cut calories when I'm like also on a hiking trip? So I thought about that today. And part of me was still trying to like not drink the coffee that I have in my car and not eat this delicious sandwich that I made that's two pieces of Ezekiel bread, smoked ahi tuna, which is a new thing from Trader Joe's, Mm-mm. hummus and avocado. This is my classic snack that I eat like on trips, especially on plane rides, but I usually use smoked salmon. It doesn't smell that good for the people around me, but it's delicious, protein, fatty, hummusy. Y'all know I gotta eat hummus every single day of my life. So I really love it. And I was just driving and really tired. I couldn't stop yawning. And I was like, you know what, dude? I'm gonna eat right now. It's 9.15, I've waited long enough. Why am I limiting myself ever? I'm not saying you guys should get reckless and careless and start like chugging 30 beers and stuffing your face with Klondike bars. But I'm just saying, are some of the restrictions that we're putting on ourselves actually necessary? Like, are we ever going to look back on our lives and say, I should have done more 30-day challenges? Or like, I should have eaten, I should have made my fasting window a little longer. You know, I don't, I just feel like I want to start living life and choosing the option that is actually more appealing, that won't necessarily provide the best long-term result or like be associated with a goal because you never actually know how something's going to turn out and you can make a choice that you think will have a certain outcome but you don't really know what the outcome is going to be so I do think we should still practice making healthy choices but not to the point that it's going to limit you from enjoying your life I don't know how long I'll keep up with this but I'm going to attempt to just make more choices that make me happy, okay? I mean, this is not rocket science, but I just thought you might want to know that little tidbit. Another thing that I wanted to touch on that is completely uh, not aligned with the happiness thing I just said is that I've had a hard time trying to figure out like what trails I want to do when I go to a national park. I'm not an avid climber, and there are like a few things that I want to avoid. I want to avoid really sketchy scrambles and like stuff that makes me feel like I'm gonna fall off a cliff and I want to avoid super downhill things because I have bad knees but there's one thing that I also want to avoid that usually isn't in the description of the actual trail it's written in the reviews and that is bugs I don't like bugs I used to be a tomboy I used to pretend like bugs were the coolest thing I actually was fascinated by bugs, and I had a collection of dead beetles. It's weird, but it's what I had. It's what I liked. But now bugs are just, they just freak me out, and I hate mosquitoes. And it seems like a lot of the trails that I really want to do that meet all my requirements for, like, physical demand um, goals actually come with 
a shit ton of bugs. Everyone in the reviews are like, don't even think about going on this hike without a net for your face. Don't even think about using natural bug spray. The bugs are insane. And I did not think that there were mosquitoes in California. So right now I'm on my way to REI. I'm going to buy a bug face shield, which is going to be like a mosquito net. And then I'm going to try to cover my body in bug spray. Um, I just... It's just interesting, and I've never been one to read reviews. I'm usually an impulsive buyer, but when it comes to trails and, like, my physical well-being, I've been looking at reviews, and I'm really grateful that I have. So, I just wanted to let you know that. And I'll let you know after I get the bug face shield if it actually was worth the, the price and if the bugs do not infiltrate the bug shield. Okay, well... I think that this is a weird way to end the episode, but alas, I, oh, I also thought maybe I will record an episode every single day, even if it's just a random thought of mine, because I think there's some people out there that will end up thinking this is like a niche, like cult following type deal where people will just want to hear these daily thoughts. And if you don't, guess what? You can still turn the radio, the sound all the way down and play it so I get the penny. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. I really am leaving right now. Ciao, my friends.